Hey everybody and welcome to the chat room. We're here with episode four. I am your host, Connor Valentine, and welcome to the show. A couple of days ago, President Trump tweeted, save the post office. He's notorious for tweets. And I couldn't help but think of the murderer who shows up to the search party for the victim he killed, Scott Peterson. <laughs> On the phone with Amber Fry, who kind of looks like Stormy Daniels. <laughs> it's no secret that women like a man who's organized, who knows how to make plans and execute them properly. Yet he still has fun and a more spontaneous side. So it should come as no surprise why women are obsessed with serial killers. <laughs> now... I've been trying to get a little more active during this quarantine, okay? And what better way of getting a little more active than to be outside and enjoy the end of summer? So I made a playlist for when I go hiking that has music from The Peanuts, The Cranberries, and Eminem. I named it my trail mix. Because <laughs> I'm really corny and that's just the way I go, all right? Don't judge. Someone recently told me that listening to your wife is actually a lot like reading an iTunes user agreement. You really don't understand anything, but you still agree with it. <laughs> By the way, you can subscribe to this and all the shows in the CMG Podcast Network by visiting clovercrestmedia.com. And of course, you can download the show on your favorite platform. I have to give a shout out to Spotify for all the study playlists, though. It's how I got through school. You could say they were instrumental to my success. <laughs> now, this is something you should try. You're listening to this podcast, so you obviously have a lot of time on your hands. Change the name of your iPad to the Titanic. So when you sync it, iTunes will say the Titanic is sinking. <laughs> I'm the king of the world. We have a great show for you tonight. Jessica Fritz Aguirre from Sticky Beak is our guest. She's a lawyer, mother of four, and she's taking on the police as she tries to solve a 32-year-old missing persons case. She recently helped turn into a cold case murder investigation. Thank you so much for entering the chat room. I am Connor Valentine. We're here with our guest today, Jessica Fritz Aguirre, the host of the Sticky Beak podcast, which is another podcast here on the CMG network. Jessica, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, Jessica, what is Sticky Beak? Can you tell us a little bit about your show? Yeah, Sticky Beak is a true crime podcast. Um, it came to me um, through Sarah Demio, who does the, she did Fade It Out um, previous to doing the You Don't Know Jack series that she's working on now. She brought me this little girl's name, uh, Doreen Jane Vincent, who disappeared from Connecticut in 1988. Uh, she was 12. And she asked me if I wanted to do some work um, in my capacity as a lawyer on that particular show. And, um, you know, meeting the family, getting to know everybody, and really learning the story of what happened to Doreen and, you know, the, the lack of uh, police activity on that case for so long really interested me in it. And so I started working on it in earnest and I got kind of obsessed with it. And so when Sarah um, laid up the mantle um, for a little while, I kept pursuing it and, um, you know, kept investigating. And that's what's brought us to today. So speaking of Doreen, you've talked about a hashtag called justice for Doreen. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that too? Well, in the beginning, Justice for Doreen was about really two things. Number one, finding her because she uh, ran away or disappeared um, about 32 years ago um, and never been found again. So that's one thing that's always really bothered me is that there's this little girl who was about uh, three years older than I was uh, when she disappeared, um, never been seen again. It bothers me that she is, you know, out there somewhere, um, you know, just, just alone. I mean, I assume that she's gone. Um, but I, recovering her would be great. The second prong of that would really be holding someone accountable 
what mm -hmm. happened to her, um, whether it's the obvious suspect or, you know, maybe not the obvious suspect. But then as I really started digging into the case, I think the third thing that really surprised me is that um, she really hasn't gotten her due. You hear about all these missing children's cases and there are rewards and there's nationwide coverage, but no one really knew her story. Uh, she was kind of written off and that made me very sad. So I thought, you know, for justice for Doreen, that means knowing what her name is and really sort of giving her due in, in the public sphere so people know who she is and who she was. It's always sad that you see those cases, especially mm -hmm. with the kids. <clears throat> with the kids, it's always sad that those cases get left yeah. just undone. Well, and the crazy thing was, you know, back in 1988, there was no internet, there were no cell phones. Uh, so when you when we started to dig into Dorian's story, there was so little just because by virtue of when she went missing, there wasn't a lot, um, there wasn't a lot to be had in terms of newspaper articles or internet resources or anything. So, um, you know, her story really has been forgotten. And so what I've been trying to do is resurrect it. Now you were at the memorial for Dorian. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like? And did that impact you in any way? Yeah, it was great. So we decided um, we've done some smaller memorials for her. Like on her birthday, we went up to the winery across the street from where she disappeared. Mm -hmm. um, that's Gouveia Winery in Wallingford. We did a birthday celebration there. Um, last year, we did the 30 or 31st anniversary of her disappearance. So a bunch of people came to ask questions. Um, this time, it was a little bit more, it was smaller because of Corona, it was a little bit more limited, but uh, we collected $500, $500, 500 bucks. That's fantastic. So um, I gave half of it to RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network. Um, and then 250 I got one of those big, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like a funeral wreath or a memorial wreath, um, all in purple, which is her favorite color. And it said justice for Doreen. And it was nice. It was an opportunity for people you know, who support the cause to come and talk and just, you know, pay homage to her a little bit. Um, probably about two, three dozen people. Three dozen people. Yeah. And you were able to get the word out just like that? Yeah, well, we've got a really great, strong social network. Um, there are a lot of people in Wallingford itself and the surrounding areas who take this very personally. Oh, absolutely. So um, <clears throat> there's a lot of local support there. Um, Joe, my husband, and I also grew up in the Meriden Wallingford area, so we've got a lot of friends that we're able to pull. but. Uh, there are plenty of people who I don't know from Adam who came by. And the funny thing was I interact with them on the internet, so I know them that way. But a lot of people showed up with masks, and I'm like, uh, hi, it's nice to see you. And they're like, oh, no, you know, I'm, I'm Susan or whatever. Uh, but then, yeah, and then we all went out to lunch together. We all went out to the vineyard again. It's just a nice uh, community to be able to be part of. I was just about to say, nice community bonding. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, have you always had a passion for podcasts? Because you have the podcast, Sticky Beaks. Yep. And I'm wondering, is that something that always intrigued you, something that always kind of caught your eye, or is this more somebody at, like, asked you to do one? No. So I knew about podcasts. I wasn't that certain what they even really were, and I was a bit nervous to dip my toe in. And then there's this podcast called My Favorite Murder. My Favorite Murder. Which is two women named Karen and Georgia, um, and they're roughly my age, and they came together to start telling – they're, like, telling stories to each other, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> just two women sitting in a room, almost like telling ghost stories, but they're bantering about it as they go, and mm – -hmm you know, discovering new things about the world of true crime. And each episode, they, they each do their own different story. Oh, that's so cool. So they started doing stuff, you know, that's famous stuff, like um, John List is a famous one, or, um, you know, they were doing Lacey Peterson, stuff like that. But uh, 
look at the camera sometimes. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't do Lacey Peterson, so don't do that. <clears throat> they they were doing really famous crimes, like uh, John List was one that they did. Um, they've done The Staircase with Michael Peterson. And I, I really like that. And so that got me really into the true crime thing. And then I just started devouring them all. So did you take certain aspects of that show that you adored so much and implemented it into Sticky Beaks? I think, not necessarily. I think there, in learning about those cases, there's a way of like talking about true crime that became very important for me to replicate. You know, a lot of people think that some true crime podcasters are not very respectful. Right. Or they're salacious, or they use these cases as entertainment value. Um, you know, the Karen and Georgia one is more of a true crime comedy because they're kind of making fun of each other. They're making fun of, you know, the situation, uh, but not the victims. And so that's right. always been really important to me. Um, and just trying to be as respectful as possible and not making jumps. You know, there's been a bunch of times in my investigative work mm -hmm. that I could have made uh, investigative jumps that I try to be really respectful because these are really people's lives we're dealing with. It's not fictional. All of this no. has really happened. All of this stuff has affected real people. So you want to make it as entertaining as possible, but you also want to be as real to the situation as possible. Am I kind of getting on the right just there? Yeah, and I am, or I try to be in contact as much as possible with you know members of Dorian's family um, on both sides. And I've gotten in touch with some of her friends mm -hmm. who are obviously much older now, you know, in their mid forties, late forties, but they're bringing stuff to the table too. And th these are their lives and her, her story and her disappearance affected them and i don't want to make it you know it's not the podcast isn't really for fame and fortune it's more spreading the word what a story what i like that you do is you go above and beyond you actually talk to doreen's family still well that was really you know i don't think i knew how much it was going to bite me the bug was going to bite me until i met her family yeah. and they had us it was uh, january 2019 and they had us into their house um and they gave us you know coffee and donuts and muffins and to see an actual family who had been suffering, but it also tries to put it behind him was very, um, you know, it got me and it hooked me. Of course. So it's, it's, it's safe to say this podcast has easily changed your life. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think I am an empath anyway, and I'm a very empathetic person. And um, it's hard, I think, to go down this route sometimes because what we're really talking about is a dark story of abuse, of um, probably murder and you know, somebody whose voice was just really lost. It's very difficult to do sometimes. And so I always sort of carry her with me um, as I go. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's always in the back of my mind now. And I think it's made me more sympathetic to people that I would have been um, able to write off easier before because you never know that old adage is true. Like you never know what somebody's life is like and you have to be, um, you know, look a little bit deeper. Just from talking with you right now, and saying that you still have Doreen's soul inside of you. Mm. That hit me quite a bit, actually. I can tell you a very kind soul. Thank you. And I think that's amazing. It's You know, it's really hard because I don't, um, one of the struggles that I've had to do with this is to remind myself that as much as it gets me, as much as it upsets me, and as, as difficult as it is to do all the digging I do, you know, there's people who's, this is their real life. Of course. Uh, you know, we did just hit a road bump recently in the FOIA case, the Freedom of Information case that I filed, um, and we lost that battle. And Doreen's aunt said to me, and she wasn't trying to be 
mean or nasty. She just said, you know, maybe you'll have to live your life like we all have. Maybe one day you, you'll just never know what happened to her. To hear it from her. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Goodness. And I, you know, I have to bring myself back. Like I have to check myself and remind myself, you know, you carry so much of this on your back and you take on so much of this. But at the end of the day, you are not her mother. You are not her aunt. You're not her sister. And, um, you know, I, there have been certain members of the family who maybe haven't always been so happy with what I've broadcast. And I have to take the time and, and really sit with that for a while too, right? Like, again, people's lives. Well, this has been a very emotional subject. <laughs> uh, very interesting. Don't, don't get me wrong. Extremely, yeah. uh, you know, extremely interesting, but also emotional. I'd like to get into something a little more, a little more upbeat. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you your top three favorite cases that you've ever done and why. The favorite cases that I've ever done? So third is your least favorite. First is your absolute favorite. Well, this is the only one that I've ever done. This is the first, this is the first one. And I, I've always said, people have said to me, okay, what is your new case going to be? What's going to be the best oh. one? And I like, I can't, I can't take this one and leave it behind until I'm done with it. Yeah. Right. Um, but what I've noticed in doing my research, there's so many, well, there's cold cases everywhere, but in Connecticut, there's three little girls um, out of Vernon and Tolland that went missing, I believe in the span from 1969 to 72 or so, none of them have ever been found. They suspect same person, but cold case, no one's, no one's ever found those girls and no one knows who's responsible for their disappearance. Um, so that one gets me, that's something I might like to take a look at. And then there's a girl, a Yale student who was murdered um, in, I believe, 99. 99. And they have, you remember we were talking about um, technology, how it has you up to date on everything everyone's doing and where everybody is. Not to the extent of now. They had it to the extent that they knew, like she was sending emails and they knew where she was. And it was like in a 15 minute span that she was literally murdered as she was walking right. in New Haven. Again, no, no one's ever been able to pin that on anyone. And I just, I, it spooks me out, right? I think the cases of the children really got me the most and then the women but there's i mean god there's so many there's so many just in this state alone it's nuts well you're the mother of four children i am <laughs> i mean i mean that, that definitely has to be extra touchy subject for you when you hear about these these cases with the kids and you see it over and over again i mean does that that has to impact you in some way doesn't it yeah and i think too it's different because I have two older children. I have two teenage girls right. and then I have two smaller children. And so, you know, it makes me want to snuggle the little ones a bit more and like hold them close. But I think for the older ones too, uh, it makes me want to talk to them more about things like on how not to be a victim on how to be aware of your circumstances on who to trust and who not to trust, because, you know, those are important lessons I think for a mom. To pass on yeah as a mom you know obviously you're what you want most is for your kids to be aware of their surroundings and to be safe and to be protected mm -hmm. but to also understand that the world is it can be a dangerous place right well kaylee came down with me my 17 year old to the doreen memorial and i think that's important to her to see those people and and realize that you know we're really lucky uh, we're really lucky, especially with Corona, where we live, what we're able to have. And, you know, there are some people who are not as fortunate as we are. Mm -hmm. And to be able to sort of steep yourself in that um, is important to me, you know, to show her the other side of things sometimes. You talk about the, we've been talking about the Doreen case. Uh, can we, when can we expect to see you return to oh, <laughs> Well, so I have taken a bit of a hiatus. Last episode was May 3rd. And what I was waiting for was I was hoping to get my hands on that police material. 
right. that I had uh, been fighting for in the with the Freedom of Information Act, and that's been denied to me. So without that infor that extra information, it was difficult for me to put together sort of the things I wanted. The other things that I've been kind of waiting on is I have a lot of people who need to answer some hard questions. And I tough case, tough case, <laughs> tough, case. tough, tough you know, questions they probably really don't necessarily want to answer. There are probably a lot of people who don't want to talk to me. And it's the I need to work on my ability to hit those people in the right order to sort of weave their stuff together. And, yeah. you know, basically because I'm cold, I'm cold calling these people. Right. I'm not a real investigator. I just call people up and I'm like, hey, you want to talk about this stuff? And um, I'm a little bit out of practice because of Corona, but I, I think it's. I've been saving a lot of those calls because they're so important to the case. They're kind of make or break the stuff that I have and I'm waiting. Also, I think, you know, writer's block is a huge thing. Writer's as block? As far as Corona, yeah. Ooh, can you go into that a little bit? I'm Writer's block for Corona, that's interesting. Well, not for, well, I used to do the show, right? So I would go to work and do my nine to five every right. day. And then I'd drive home and be with Joe and be with the kids. And I had this like pattern that I would do. And every week it was the same, um, you know, sort of throw stuff on the paper at the beginning of the week and then massage it through Saturday. I would figure like finish it, write it all out. And then Sunday we'd record. And then Corona completely upended that because, you know, there's really no time to myself anymore. I don't know if I can, <laughs> well, the <laughs> there's no kids. time. I get um, it. You know, there used to be a lot of time sitting in my car and commuting and that's when I would, you know, kind of write stuff in my head and that doesn't really exist anymore. And when I'm here now, if I do have free time, I try to spend it with the kids um, as much as possible or, you know, just read it. Like I said, it's hard to delve into this because it is so dark. So I'll find myself doing something else, like listening to another podcast or reading a book. But um, the, the writing has come a little bit easier these last couple of weeks. So I'm hoping that sometime soon we'll be seeing a new episode. Cross your fingers. Oh, uh, fingers crossed. All right. Keep your fingers crossed. We get a new episode soon because I know I'm interested. Good. It's going to be it's going to be just talking to you now has, has gotten me more interested in, in what's going to happen next. Well, it's almost like a story that's unfinished but we're getting towards the last couple of pages towards the next chapter well and i think too a lot of people have said to me um why should i listen to the podcast and this was early on right mm -hmm. i have one particular friend and she said well you know we know she's gone mm -hmm. and we probably know who did it right. i don't want to say anything i don't want to make any you know charges on the air right now but right. um we, we we likely know what happened, but she kept asking me these questions. But why didn't this happen? Why didn't the cops look at this? Why didn't the cops do this? Why? And I, I said to her, this is why it's such an interesting story, right? Because it's sad and it's tragic, but it's also going to make you really pissed off. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, um, you know, why the story was so buried for so long. Yeah. So unearthing it as much as possible and getting the people who maybe haven't wanted to talk in decades is, is a big part of it. Well, it's a horrible case that's been left yeah. unsolved. It's just, of course, it's going to get people angry. And it's going mm -hmm. to keep people interested because they want to know what's going to happen next. Well, and, you know, have it, it's been 32 years with her aunt and her mom, for right. example, in their 60s. Um, you know, if we don't do it now, when is somebody going to do it? 10 years from now? Probably not because the the evidence is just fading away. People are, you know, not going to be around anymore. The last question I have for you is something I, I've had, I've been wondering for a really long time, and <laughs> I I want to know right here, right now, okay. what is the origin of your show's name, Sticky Beak? I want to know what the origin of the name for that is. So there's apparently a huge crowd of Doreen supporters mm -hmm. in Australia and New Zealand, 
And they told me I was a sticky beak, which is basically like a pushy broad, like somebody who doesn't take no. It literally is like one of those little nettles that gets caught on your um, your clothes and you can't get it off. And you're like trying to, you know. They call that a sticky it's beak. It's a sticky beak. It's, it's like a pushy, pushy person who doesn't take no for an answer. And so I wanted sticky beak for a really long time. And Joe and I talked about it and I'm like, nobody's going to know what that is. No one's going to understand. And we were doing stuff like, you know, the untrained eye or something a little bit more detective-y. And it just didn't, for me, it didn't have the same punch. And I like the fact that people are like, well, what the hell is that? Maybe I'll go find out. And in the first episode, you know, I explain, like, I keep tapping at people's doors and they can't get me to leave them alone. So I think it's pretty apt, both in uh, professional and real life. See, right now, you know, we're having a good time talking. I get to know a little bit yeah. about you. Uh, I'm learning about your show. But I am, I'm not really super confrontational. I'm a little more laid back, kind of, you know, I like to do my own thing, mind my own business. I would not want to be on the other end of your investigative side. You know what I've realized? I was yeah. So I'm an attorney at work. I do um, employment stuff in, you know, the insurance industry. Right. And I heard my uh, coworkers talking about me one day and they were talking about me in a complimentary way, but they were like, oh man, that Jess is just such a bulldog. I'd hate to be on the other end of the, uh, on the other end with her because, you know, she gets what she wants and she's, you know, get out of her way. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I guess I never really knew that about myself until I started doing this. Um, I've also find I have a really like people want to talk to me because I clearly talk a lot. Well, hey, you're topic. on the show right now. We're having a great <laughs> conversation. I don't see why not. So, you know, the things that people come out and tell me have been amazing and they've really trusted me with a lot of that stuff. So I guess it depends on um, if you're on my side or not, you know, am I going to treat you nicely and work your way through it? Or am I going to be that bulldog? I'm going to play it safe and stick as an ally rather than an enemy. <laughs> this is Jessica Fritz Aguirre. She's the host of Sticky Beaks. We're going to learn a little bit more about that on her show when it returns. This has been The Chat Room. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.